I still have a cold. I can tell. Do I sound funny? Is this a wrong number called earlier this week? Like, uh, my number must have used to belong to a mechanic. And so I usually try to answer the phone just so I can be like, no, I'm not a mechanic. I'm not going to give you your insurance quote. Yeah. Um, so I answered and like, I hadn't even spoken all day long and I'm congested. So I was just like, hello. <laughs> and like the person on the other end, she was just like, oh, I'm so sorry to bother you. Once I told her that like, I'm not a mechanic. And I was like, no problem. <laughs> Poor woman. Aww. She was like, I'm never talking on the phone again. Where's the iron? Can mice and birds sew? Oh, Polly, no, don't cut right out on. that dress. Where's the iron? Where's the iron? Taffeta. Muslin. Ooh, I'd wear that. Is that, that machine even threaded? Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Hi, I'm Liza. I'm the sewing one. I'm Megan. I'm the writing one. And you are listening to There's No Thread. The podcast that asks, could, would, and most importantly, should the characters really make whatever it is that gets sewn in the movie we are talking about today. Ready? Yeah! Today we are turning our sewing and writing eyes upon the 2013 Danish superhero film Ant Boy, directed by Ask Hasselbalk, with costume design by Louise Nisson. (laughs) I think it's just Nissen. That accent was free. Next time I do it, you have to pay. What was that accent? Um, it was a uh, little Francais, which I guess doesn't make any sense. Nothing to do with anything. We're not in France. I want to interrupt real quick because okay. this movie is a listener subscription. No, no, it's not. What? <laughs> this movie is a listener suggestion. <laughs> I was like, no one has subscribed to this movie. This is actually the only one that I found straight up on YouTube, like with nothing barring me from watching it. I watched it on Amazon, but I also found it on YouTube because Liza, this was a three fall asleeper for me. Oh my God. I fell asleep three times, all within the last like 15 (laughs) minutes or so. I just... Did you watch... Watch it too late, or was it just so sweet that you fell right to sleep? No, I went, you know, Fridays are, I always say Fridays are kind of, like, I call them cranky Fridays, because, like, nobody, like, this end of the week, everyone's tired, by everyone, I mean, just me and Jason, and, like, there's always, like, a bunch of shit to wrap up, but last night, I went to a neighborhood wine event, so then when I got back at the late hour of 7.30, Oh my um, God, I was going to guess 8.30, 7.30 is even better. <laughs> I was like, we have to watch Ant Boy, and I put it on, and, you know, it was already a stretch for me, which I know you know, so I was like, stay awake, stay awake, and it was oh, super cute. Oh man, I thought this would be a good way to ease you into superheroes, because No, it was super cute. It's so adorable. I, I don't, I don't have, like, mean thoughts or notes about it, I just, you know, I just fell asleep, so... <laughs> But I made it through most of it. Okay, good. Yeah. And, and I, you watched Ant-Boy and not Ant-Man. That's a great start. Yes, I did pick the correct film, despite Jason being like, are you sure this is the right film? And I was like, yes. And like, it was dubbed in English over the Danish. Oh, my God. Yes. Which was yeah. hilarious. I was so bummed about that. Like, and there's no option to watch it in the mm-hmm. original Danish either. We, we tried to find it. Yeah, um, so did we. My theory on that is that they're afraid that Americans won't read. But I'm like... No, when I read subtitles, it makes me feel smart and fancy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Americans love to feel smart and fancy. But um, Tall Guy pointed out, because we were watching it last night too, that it might just be because it's a children's movie. And they're like, oh. we don't know how young these children are going to be watching this. Maybe That's they actually... can't read. 
so brilliantly obvious. And I love that neither you or I thought of that. No. But of course that's the reason. And the visuals are so appealing. Why would they want to be reading? Yeah, they don't want to be looking at the subtitles while the action's yeah. happening. Yeah, Total all action. That. Yeah. So this one actually is a listener's suggestion from Shelly, who goes by Lightning McStitch on Instagram. And she said that her little kid really likes it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's I think that's why she had seen it. I'd never heard of this movie. But yeah, I'm really glad that, uh, I mean, it's exactly, it fits our exacting are extremely specific criteria real well. Yeah. So like, I'm really Lightning. glad that Shelly brought it to our attention. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is a textbook option for um, what Lice is trying to do. Yeah. Uh, it's just too bad that, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's too bad <laughs> that it's nothing I'm trying to do. No, it was super cute. Well, hey, do you want to do the main cast and characters and summary and all that now? Mm-hmm. All right, good. Okay, so... Our cast is comprised of a lovely little boy named Pele, played by Oscar Dietz, and his love interest, well, semi, he kind of has two, but the more apparent love interest at first is uh, Amanda. She's played by Cecile Alstrop-Tarp, and then her twin sister, Ida, who sort of comes in the 11th hour to be our kind of sporty sweet girl with dyed hair. Ida, who's the coolest. The coolest, as played by Amalia Cruz Jensen. Uh, and then we have Pele's best friend, Willem, is played by Samuel Tangroff. And then we have Dr. Gaimelka, who's the flea. He's like the bad guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Played by Nicholas Bro, which, great name, bro. I wonder if bro is a common name in Denmark. I hope so. I hope people say, um, you're my bro, bro. Like or when they California. say, like, yo, bro, and like 20 people turn around. <laughs> <laughs> like when people say i once said babe in a crowded um when we were at the monster truck show i went babe to jason and literally 30 people turned around like oh everyone God. in the group turned around you're like hi um, babe that's yeah. me. I, that's me <laughs> a lot of men turned around too i was like uh-uh well because it was a woman's voice calling for babe oh yeah true true yeah, yeah they were like me <laughs> yeah and the, the monster truck clientele would be full of babes so um i guess i shouldn't be that surprised <laughs> <laughs> you're my babe babe okay and then we have i think that's it right and then there's the parents uh lark winther plays the mom oh who plays the mom's hair oh my god the mom's hair <laughs> also i was like is that his mom like what i mean i i do love that this movie is so like kid world but like at best the adults are like negligent and at worst they're actually trying to beat him up in gym class like yes the adults are awful Awful. (laughs) all the adults are a problem (laughs) yeah yeah okay so ant boy logline synopsis i have two one is a boy that feels invisible gets bit by a fancy ant and suddenly Mm. becomes the center of attention nice And, and the other one is after getting bit by a genetically modified ant, a nerdy boy develops superpowers and fights crime and evil in his adorable town where it is always fall. It is just always beautiful <laughs> and fall. Yeah, but yeah, like, uh, I mean, you won't know this, but it's, this is basically Spider-Man. <laughs> You've never willingly watched Spider-Man. So. I'm like, I've kind of watched Spider-Man. That's the one that has Mary Jane, right? Uh, I mean, one of them does. <laughs> The one that, or the one that has like the love interest is Mary Jane, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, but how many are there? Let's just shut up. Oh my god! I was, I, told Jason, I was like, she picked this movie 
because it's got superheroes in it and then she can get me on live podcast and make fun of me <laughs> for not knowing anything about any other superhero movie i remember i didn't pick this movie well our friend I mean, shelly did <laughs> thank you shelly this no this movie is adorable and it is it's really sweet welcome an expansion of my knowledge base and also of course ultimately this movie is about friendship i what i wrote mm-hmm. a a little summary which i don't have to read all of but i think the line that most defines this whole movie is at the end when they're having a confrontation and it's flea versus Ampoy, and Ampoy looks at flea and says your blood tank is empty and you have no friends to help mm-hmm. you i love that also and i was like yeah boy and then his <laughs> buddy comes out and or he's already come out and emptied the the enemy's blood tank and little amp boy saves the day and then they decide to be like a superhero duo my favorite line in the whole thing was the very first battle that amp boy has where a thief has stolen a lady's purse and Ant yeah. Boy runs after and confronts the thief and he says <laughs> i wrote it down it's like these are my crazy notes that i write down while i'm watching the movie i love your crazy notes i miss seeing them in person yeah they, says, they seem very organized to me he says, maybe you should go back to school for an education. And I was like, <laughs> am I Ant Boy? Like, that sounds like, that's like my style. Like, just, I got a sick burn for you. <laughs> go back to school and like crack a book. <laughs> yeah. Also, I feel like they were like, we need to have at least one thing in here that makes school appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, there should be a moral at some point that's like, if you don't go to school, then you end up this way. Because when you do go to school, you just get beat up by everybody. Yeah. But if you don't go to school, you're adult you gym teacher. Person. Yeah. Although I tell you what was appealing about that school though, was that scene where they're in the gym class and they're having to fight with these like big sticks that have foam on the end. They sort of have to whack each other. Mm-hmm. The, uh, clothing that all the kids are wearing, where it was like shades of green and black and shades of orange and black, like all just not a uniform just cute kid clothes like stripy t-shirts and solid t-shirts and like tank tops and skirts layered over things and like just shades of color kid style and not all wearing the same thing not a uniform like i mean i guess the note to the parents would be like for gym class they have to wear green or orange (laughs) it was super cute i really love that good job what's her name good job louise good job louise neeson louise sorry not louisa (laughs) we love it yeah that was good job I don't think she's French, (laughs) but I don't know. (laughs) We've never met. Um, Yeah, Um, I thought all the all the kids looked really sweet and really good. I really loved their outfits. I loved how Willem, who is the kid who makes the costume, had like 1950s Clark Kent look. Totally adorable. So stylish and great. I loved it. Yeah. And like Ida just could not have looked cooler. Mm-hmm. I was like, God, if I was blonde, this is this would be my look. I would want to have really long blonde hair with red on the end and a beret at all times. <laughs> yeah, she looked great. I know. I was kind of like, mm, I've never been into that weird dyed at the end thing until but now. now. <laughs> yeah, now that I've seen a 10-year-old rock it so well. And I also uh, loved how it. most of the kids are wearing the same thing throughout the movie. Which yeah. which is like <laughs> that that's accurate. <laughs> If a kid can wear the same thing for oh, an entire week, they will. <laughs> They'll do it. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So this morning I was kind of like, wait, what happened to the flea? I like couldn't remember. Oh, he got and arrested. Then I, and then I was like, oh, you were like here, but not here for the last 20 minutes of oh that my movie. God. Like I vaguely remembered him breaking into the school. 
I rewatched the last 15 minutes this morning because I'm not a total, <laughs> totally negligent co-host. <laughs> but I'm still not promising I'll remember what I just saw. Well, they had a battle and I, for a second there was like, did did he get killed? And then he got taken away by the police and arrested. And I was like, oh good, he didn't get killed. And Talga was like, they wouldn't have a child kill an adult in this movie. <laughs> oh, that also did not occur to me. I'm so glad that he's like on the pulse of uh, logic because I guess that's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. It just would not fit with this world. All right. So the sewing moment that happens in this movie is Paley's new friend, Willem, who he met because he saved Willem from some bullies by throwing an apple at the bullies, which is great. Yeah. Willem realizes that Pele has got some superpowers all of a sudden out of nowhere. And so Willem decides that they need to find out what they are. So he has this really great checklist where they test to find out what the superpowers are. And this is another moment where I wish that it had been in original language and with subtitles because they don't translate any of the written words that we see in the movie. Yeah. So there's a lot like the checklist. It's like, well, I mean, I assume he's writing. Does he have special ant biting powers? But I don't know. <laughs> or, you know, some ants can fly. Can he fly? No. He checks no on yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, so then Willem is like, well, we need we need you to have a superhero costume. So they have a really great montage. So uh, Willem, I've been I was looking out for this. Like, do we have any real evidence that Willem sews? And like I said, Willem looks amazing. Uh, he's extremely well-groomed. Yeah. But that just means he has style. That doesn't mean he can make things. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, good. We're going to see Willem's room. Willem is really into superheroes. So in his room, he has lots of figurines. A lot of them he's clearly like added onto and built. Willem has a nice new sewing machine. It might be a Husqvarna. I couldn't really see it closely enough. But he has he has a sewing machine. He has scissors. He has a measuring tape. And we have a great montage of Willem sitting at his machine watching Pele try on different extremely homemade looking costumes, which is my favorite kind. There's one where like he's got little sieves for bug eyes on a sort of sewn hat. And there are a couple with like, you know, pipe cleaners and foil tape, uh, yeah. big stitches, like just really fun, um, extremely homemade looking costumes that a kid one, one million percent could really make. <laughs> But Willem's now normal kid. He's like, this isn't cutting it. And so they come up with Pele's costume. I'm going to read you a quote about Pele's costume. The Ant Boy costume. The most expensive costume ever in Danish film history. <laughs> oh my god. I wish my shock translated into yeah. uh, audible medium. But what? Listener, just picture Megan looking real surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Something no one's ever seen before. <laughs> she doesn't so, spend her whole life in a constant state of confusion and surprise. Um, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. So What's the, so I'm expensive gonna, about it? Yeah. I'm going to read you the quote from Oscar Hasselbalch, who's the director. He says, I wanted Ant Boy to look like a real superhero, not a little boy in a Halloween costume running around and pretending to be one. He had to look super cool. And just my own personal side, I love that. Okay, back to the quote. We ended up with the most expensive costume ever made for any Danish movie. That's the end of his quote. And the rest of this article says, the costume is designed by Louise Nissen and is sewn in black calfskin leather with a silicone Antboy logo on the chest. And the back is elastic so it can give during fights. The helmet 
is black painted fiberglass based on a cast of the actor's head. The boots are leather and hand sewn in Germany. Oh, okay. wow. That does sound expensive. So while I was reading that, I was like, God, I wish I knew a specialty customer. It'd be really cool if I knew a specialty customer. And guess what, Megan? I do. Of course you do. <laughs> All right. So what is a specialty customer? I'm going to tell you. As defined by Local 705, which is my local union and covers costumers in the Los Angeles entertainment industry, a special costume key person supervises the making and construction of clothing using foam, wire, plastic, cloth, leather, and other materials for creature type costumes to be worn by performers. These costumes can be versions of animals, plant life, and futuristic or quote, Star Wars types or creatures. The duties outlined here are not meant to expand or diminish the jurisdiction of any local union. So basically what I do in my union classification is clothing. And I'm specifically women's custom made. So it's women's clothing as opposed to like men's tailoring. But a specialty customer is stuff like this where like, I don't know how to make a helmet. I don't know yeah. how, to, how to make a leather superhero costume or a utility belt to hold candy if you're an ant boy. So the, but that's what a specialty customer does. It's a whole different skill set. It's yeah. a different costume shop entirely. And it's a different uh, union classification, which is kind of cool too. So that's I asked. amazing to me because yeah. like as a layman in so many fields of life, but particularly as a layman in costume, I mean, it, it would just never occur to me. And now that you're saying it, it just makes total sense. So this is like something you just would never even, a no. world you would never even enter. So I asked um, Jillian Wilsch, who is a specialty customer, I said, completely out of the blue, hey, can you answer some questions about this movie called Ant Boy? <laughs> Send her a picture. <laughs> so I said, is this the sort of thing a specialty customer does? Could a kid who has a sewing machine make this? Could it be made over a weekend or overnight by a kid or any human? <laughs> <laughs> So she had to look at it and I sent her the trailer. I sent her a couple pictures. She was just like, oh, okay, yeah, a kid didn't sew it in the night. <laughs> she says there would be at, like at least three to four different people with different skills needed to make this. A cobbler for the shoes, a mold maker for the helmet and the emblem on the chest, multiple stitchers, pattern maker, uh, sometimes specialty things like leather piping could be sent out, like a different shop could do that. Um, there are shops in LA that just like, you know, you can get lots of bias tape, lots of piping, just yards and yards and yards of that. So you don't have to do it in your own costume shop. She said it requires a lot of specialty equipment too. heavy duty machines with walking foot for the leather, different feet for the many different stitches. Also the cobbler that's a shoemaker has to have their own walking foot machine with specific arms for shoes, possibly a 3d printer and the computer program to go with it. Oh Everything molded and poured would need to be spray painted too. Watching the trailer, it looks like the friend has a home sewing machine. So I imagine he could basically do none of it. <laughs> wow. So this has turned out to be one of the best movies to pick for our purposes. Yeah. Because who, who knew? I mean, you didn't even know. I didn't you had to ask this other person and yeah. all and and it's totally impossible like 100 <laughs> percent 
And now I see why it's so expensive. And I, while you were talking, I was kind of having this like spiral of like, you know, the strike and the 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 way you described the very individual expertise of every single one of these fields and the mm -hmm. way that we kind of just like assume that things happen because they look easy i mean obviously this is not the case but we continue to operate this way as humans like it looks like it was just like made by someone on a sewing machine well, and in fact you know what's no. wild to me is how many people assume that they just went and a movie just goes and buys the costume somewhere yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it, it doesn't even you can't yeah, it, shop for this. <laughs> apparently not. And if you had, it would look actually like garbage, but because it looks so good, uh, we're still just kind of like, oh, like they probably just got it from somewhere. Yeah. Um, but actually in this movie, so, so that is, that's, that's where it stands in the real world. And I'm going to come back around to this because there's an element of this costume making process in the real world that the real costume shop had to do that freaks me out so much. Oh, can I um, ask you really quickly, was oh, yeah. there just one costume? Well, in the movie we see two and there definitely would be multiples anyway. Okay, so they had to do this whole process more than once also. Yeah, yeah. yeah like usual, as we discussed. I mean, once you had a copies. mold for the helmet, you could pour as many as you need. Like okay. creating the, the mold is the expensive part. Making multiples of a poured silicone mold they call it fiberglass, but like Jillian and I were both like, I don't know about fiberglass. That sounds slightly incorrect. <laughs> yeah, that sounds dangerous. That sounds like <laughs> you making up words about costumes. <laughs> that sounds like um, you guys just went and did some insulation right before you did this, <laughs> wrote this description. The yeah. only other time I've ever heard people say fiberglass. Like, um, right, or like for a boat or something. Yeah, right, so they're just like made up costume words. Yeah, it's probably a poured silicone. And then Yes, it would be then be spray painted black. Oh, I was going to say, so in the movie, though, in the world of the movie, uh, Wilhelm orders elements of this online. And while I was watching or while I was like preparing for this, I was like, God, you know, it'd be really cool if I knew a craftsperson who uh, lives in Copenhagen. And you know what, Megan? I do. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let me guess. You do. I do. So I texted my friend, Kelly Dunn, also completely out of the blue. Oh, and I know Kelly Dunn. You know Kelly Dunn, yeah. I mean, we've definitely met, but like Kelly Dunn has come up in conversation so many times because like you guys have spoken so highly of her and she's just come into so many like examples and stories and conversations for decades. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like Kelly Dunn is just a part of the fabric, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is a thread. I super love that I can just, you know, just text somebody. Hey, it's Liza. Just in case they don't even recognize the number. I love that too. I got I a mean, weird question. What a testament to your like community and skill set and very specific group of people. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So now she had some interesting insights in um in Denmark and in Copenhagen where she is. Um, they have to order from German Amazon. So there's no overnight because there is no Danish Amazon. Mm. Wow. So I think that the time frame in this show is they discover that he's a superhero. They, they have that day where they're like, let's skip school and test your powers. And then the time frame gets a little unspecific. It might be the next day. It might be a week later. But at some point on, on that second day when they're skipping school, Willem orders a bunch of stuff online. And then it shows Does up. It is it Amazon specific or just online? I can't remember. We don't. Yeah, we don't see. It's not Amazon okay. specific. But like, if we're just going with the fastest way that you and I get things, yeah. they don't have that. Yeah. 
And that's not something I ever would have thought. You know, I just assume it's everywhere. Right. It's like you just assume that every country is like a corporate overlord or oligarchy that's falling <laughs> apart at the seams every fucking moment of the day. But no, like some countries have. Denmark is just like, no, thank you. Yeah, we're not interested. We'll, yeah. we'll wait a couple of days and we'll, we'll get it locally. Thanks. Yeah. So um, Kelly, just for fun, looked up a couple like she found some like some silicone molding products that you could just order. So wait, she lives in Copenhagen now? Yeah. Amazing. OK. Yeah. So she she said I could credit her as former costume craft expert and current resident of Copenhagen, <laughs> which I love. I also looked up, I just did my own little Google search um, on the map, just looking at Denmark, and there are lots of places to get leather supplies. Um, I couldn't find anything for fiberglass supplies. That might be something you have to do a better search for than I know how to do. But leather supplies, you could for sure get um, at various different stores. You can walk in in person in uh, Denmark and get that. Okay. But that's not what Willem does. Willem yeah. orders the suit online. Uh, he ha You see him doing a sketch of the little ant motif that's on the chest. So we can assume that he makes a mold of that and pours it himself and then spray paints it black. And, um, okay, this is the part that I think is wild. And I'm going to go back and talk about that now. The quote that I read from the article with the director said that they based the helmet on a cast of the actor's head. And while discussing this with Jillian and with Kelly, I was like, I, I just can't get past the fact that they did a life cast of a child's head. Like maybe that's wrong, but while watching the movie, did you see that there's a moment where Willem is, he's got, not only has he got a head for him, and he's doing clay on it to make the shape of the mask of the helmet. As the camera goes around, we see that it's not just a generic head form. It's a cast of Pele. It's a cast of the actor. Like you can see the, the face is the same. Yeah. Which, so does that mean they put clay all over his face? No, or, it or means concrete? to do a life cast. I mean, it is really intense. And like, how do you do it? I don't talk, even know. Talking to Kelly Dunn, she was just like, um, yeah, casting a head is not for amateurs. <laughs> what happens if it goes wrong? You suffocate and die. Oh, man. Cool. All right. So what you got to do is, okay, you got your head, right? Yeah. You got to cover all your hair with, um, I think they used to use Vaseline. I'm not sure if they do that anymore. So that the, ca the casting uh, agent doesn't pull your hair out. That includes your eyebrows and your... Uh, eyelashes and if you're a man they'd probably tell you to shave your facial hair or they'd have to like really embed it you know because you don't really necessarily want the cast to have facial hair and it's kind of weird but you have to prepare all of your hair so it doesn't get yanked out <laughs> and you have to, this is the really freaky part is you would have to do two sittings because you can't get the whole head you'd have to do like the back of the head and and be done with that and then do the front of the head and when if you're doing a whole face life cast you have to put straws in your nose so that you can breathe while your entire face is covered up and your eyes that's gonna be a strong no-go for me <laughs> i mean i imagine like you offer. might even have to like cover your ears it's so like... i wonder if part of the reason it's the most expensive costume is because they also had to insure the making process maybe it was an insurance issue yeah there's I mean, also the fact that like God. that's a highly risky procedure to do on a child on a child yeah and so like okay i have a life cast here that we just happen to have this is just 
something you own when you when your husband does crafts for a long time. Wait, who is that? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the really freaky thing is, um, I have found like a hair in this. <gasps> it's it's, it's kind of grody. We'll put that down now. In Studio City, there was there. It's closed now, but there was a craft store called Kitcraft, legendary Kitcraft. And above, they had a high wall where they had a bunch of life casts of famous actors. So while you're in there buying your supplies, you could look up and be like, oh, it's, you know, whoever. Oh, it's uh, like, I recognize that face. So do they do those when they're alive or when they're dead? If you're, if you're alive, it's a life cast. If you're dead, it's a death cast. And death casts are a thing. They usually do those on criminals a long time ago before photography happened. So that's not really something we do that much anymore. Oh. So a life cast is normally like fairly voluntary or at least like, oh, for, yeah, 100%. <laughs> you have to agree to do it because you got to sit still for it. Yeah. And uh, so, okay, so here's the process. This little child <laughs> has straws in his nose and they, they put the substance all over, you know, they protect his hair and whatever. He's encased in it. He has to sit there while it dries. Then they pull it off. He's done at this point. He doesn't have to do anything more. So then you have like a negative image of the face. You fill that with plaster so that you can create a nice, like a whole plaster head. And they, they, I mean, we see this in the movie. It's a whole head. It's not like that one I just picked up, which was just the face front half. Yeah. It's, it's the whole head. We see it in the movie. So then you've got a plaster head that is exactly the shape the idiosyncrasies, like everything is perfect to the actor. The ears are in the right place. The eyes are in the right place. Everything is perfect. It's really their face. And then what we see in the movie is Willem is building the shape of the helmet in clay. Because you can model in clay right on the plaster head that you have. So then once you've got that, you would do a negative cast of the clay shape, right? If you can picture that. And so the clay then, is put onto the original... The clay is stuck right on the plaster head. On the plaster head, okay. And that's how we get, like, the eyes and the little mandible that was coming around his cheek and mm -hmm. the um, sort of decorative thing on the head that was, like, where the antennas come out. Yeah. And you get the edge, wherever you want the edge to land. And so um, that's all clay. It's all clay. You build it up in clay, but that's not the final product. Okay. It's just your building process. Then you would cast that. You, I think you'd use the same stuff that you used uh, to get the face cast in the first place. It was sort of a like gel that sets. So you get a cast of the clay. So you take that off. Now you've got like a bowl. You pour your silicone into that. Let it harden. That is the helmet. Whoa, bro. <laughs> now, um, listener, I'm not a special costumer. So mm. this is a very, I like what I'm trying to describe to Megan is just a really simplified version because I think it's interesting that you have to go through so many steps of positive and negative yeah. before you get to the final result. I guarantee you that most people listening are going to be as wowed by what you just described as me. <laughs> because because terrifying. I don't know that much about this world, but now I know a little bit more. And so that's just the process for one person's. And that happens every time we see like a, a, a custom mask on someone. Yeah. So like Phantom of the Opera or something would have been just like a whole cast, casting cast. <laughs> well, if you don't need it to fit super specifically, which, and I thought okay, preparing yeah. for this, I was like, 
there's no way they got a life cast of a kit and you just don't really need one. They built this on a generic head block because it doesn't, it's not super close to his eyes. It's not super close to his jaw. They could make it, and um, like Jillian confirmed this, that they could make it fit approximately and then pad the inside with soft foam so that it's mm-hmm. snug onto the face and the head. Right. But that's not what they did. <laughs> they didn't do that. They went uh they went all the way with it. They did it wow. one they did it like to the best possible limit of technology. Yeah, they like they went all the way. And do they credit a custom costumer what, what did you call this again? Custom uh, a specialty costumer. You know, I didn't actually specialty see specialty costumer that did this. I didn't and part of the reason is that like I guess I'm just so used to the costume shop never being credited, but a specialty right. costumer might actually be. I should have looked for that and I didn't. I apologize specialty customers out there well you have been molded quite literally by your own experience <laughs> of never being credited for yeah your, like i'm never credited your specialty work and usually even the costume shop where i work is not credited and um, if the mold fits okay i'll stop sorry so once you have the, the mold for the mask you can pour as many times as you want as mm-hmm. you need to mm-hmm. so like you know we we for sure see two of his helmet in the movie at the same time in the same frame so we know it's two separate ones yeah but they could have poured you know six or right. however many they want yeah once they went to all that work they might as well have like a bunch of them as backups and yeah. just go crazy so like the expensive part is creating the mold and then i mean it's not like making the helmet is inexpensive i mean you, you gotta that's also got to be awesome yeah but the hard part is all that lead up work yeah okay so in the movie <laughs> willem and pele have just met so it's not like Willem already had a head form of Pele's head just Mm-mm. for other From projects. Previous superhero experiences. No. No. So we see him like that day when they skip school, he's already got this head, which would need, because it's plaster, it would need time to cure. So that is not realistic to the real world. I guess our question here is, is it realistic to the kids' world? It's not realistic to the real world, but it it does work for the kids' world since we are already... Um, encountering the flea and the various other yeah and um, I think it works with the whole point of view thing too of like yes. the costume is fucking awesome because yeah. a kid would think you know whatever whatever you know silly looking thing they really end up with I love the idea that the kids are just like yeah like this is the best costume ever yeah. <laughs> and it could have happened instantly because that's how things work yes and I even read somewhere that the director had almost all the camera shots are set at the kid's height, the um, the height of the male lead. Oscar. Yeah. Whatever height he was when they filmed it, that's where they set the camera. Yeah. Cool. I, I felt like the more powerful he got, the kind of closer in and almost like underneath the camera got to sort of, you mm-hmm. know, because when he was being bullied a lot and stuff, there was a lot more kind of wide shots and, um, you know, minimizing of our hero. Yeah. Um, okay, so we already kind of got into, could he sew it? We've talked about his workroom, which, um, did you think it was hilarious that, like, his his room is, like, just it's a superhero like museum. a cell? <laughs> yeah, I kind of love that, because we see the other kids' rooms, and they're, like, typical kid room messes, mm-hmm. but not Willem's. His yeah. room is, he's like, not, a studio. He's not around. Yeah. yeah. His room is just, like, his, his hair and his look. Yeah. Pristine. Yeah, I actually, I turned to a tall guy, and I was like, this kid looks great. Is that just me? And he was like, yeah, he's supposed to kind of look like a nerd. 
<laughs> I had the same thought. I was like, am I jealous of this child? Um, <laughs> do I want those glasses? Yeah, so his issues for making this costume are time, materials, and attention span. So we've already addressed time and materials. So I'm just going to go, I'm just going to jump right to attention span. How old are they again? They're 12. All right. What we're talking about here is focused attention. The actual attention span for like just human beings in general is eight seconds. <laughs> but what we're talking about here Wait, is... Wait, what? Whoa, sorry. What you <laughs> Best joke ever. <laughs> <laughs> and in meeting <laughs> truly this explains so much about being alive um yeah. so like most people just like aren't listening for yeah. that long okay but so what we're talking about here is focused attention do you want to make a take a crack at this i feel like when i'm really in the zone on something i can focus for i don't know at, at least 45 seconds <laughs> well it's uh i'll tell you it's five hours and okay um, yeah so the idea there is that you are able to choose to repeatedly refocus on the same thing. You receive your breaks in your attention, but you choose to repeatedly refocus. Yeah. Um, interesting, though, that it's not eight hours. I thought it would be related to workday, and it's not. No. Five hours makes a lot more sense because I do a, a really extreme blend of, of tasks that I both want to focus on and don't <laughs> want to focus on. I feel like I'm an excellent candidate for this discussion mm -hmm. um, because when I am deeply focused on a project, I, I totally buy the five hours. When I'm doing something that I have to do, um, I'm more of like the eight seconds. <laughs> yeah. And that's really part of it. That if you but are you doing really something. Like, you really notice when you don't notice how much time has passed. Yeah. Um, it's such a nice feeling because so much of the uh of my professional, I mean, and personal, but, but professional tasks involve doing things that are, um, difficult and kind of time consuming and not super fun. Mm -hmm. Um, so then when I switch to something that's also, that's difficult, but also enjoyable, I'm like, Oh, Whoa, there I'm back in that space where an hour can back pass and I don't, I don't notice. Yeah. yeah and the, the things amazing. that will lower that are if you are doing a task that you don't find intrinsically interesting, just like you just said, yes. Or if you're doing something that's beyond your skill level, so if it's really difficult for you, your attention will be constantly broken down and you will have, you'll, you'll have less of an ability to refocus on the task because it's difficult. Yeah. It's and now you don't get a reward of feeling like I'm, I'm awesome at this. <laughs> right. It's hard to stay struggling. Yeah. Without breaks. So now, okay. So it's five hours for adults for, for the average 10 to 12 year old, it's 25 to 35 minutes, mm. which I was really Babies. surprised by because that seems so short. Yeah. But then if I think about like, I know what my son's school schedule is for like when classes change and they're all about half an hour. Yeah. So that really yeah. makes sense that they're just like, okay, new topic. Okay. Everybody's going to get up and go to a different classroom. Like, but we're gonna have a little break. Yeah. I'd be curious to know how many times you can refocus before you need to just not like if you could do 30 minutes and then you, ha you need how long to re to like rest and then how many times before you just need to rest forever. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like if I did five hours on, how long would I need off before I could do five more hours? And then how many sets of five hours before I just, you know? Well, I mean, if you work collapse. an eight hour day, then you've got, yeah. uh, supposedly you've got like four hours, you've got a half an hour or an hour break, and then you've got four more hours and then you're yeah. done. Yeah. I mean, that kind of works. 
I thought this was really interesting too. Um, it's at age 15 that attention span related abilities diverge. So right around when you're 15, that's when if you're going to be a person who's really able to focus, that becomes evident. And if you're going to be a person who has a real, who really struggles with focus, like that stuff becomes apparent around age 15, which I thought was really mm. interesting. Yeah. And I guess from there you launch into your five hour attention spans. And I also learned this, your attention span is at its highest in your early 40s and it gradually declines into old age, which I was kind of like, now, is it really attention span decline or you just kind of don't give a fuck anymore? <laughs> yeah, or you're just tired. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting to hear because I have noticed, well, I don't know, there's so much like shit talking about getting older, but one of the things that also maxes out in your 40s is your uh, singing voice. And so oh, growing up- cool. It was always like, well, as you get older, you actually become a better singer and it continues like into your forties. And then it's not like you fall off a cliff or anything, but like, like you can I reach have, a level and maintain it. Yeah. And like your full, there's like your full voice and your, and I remember taking singing lessons and being like, you will, they would be like, oh, well, you'll actually continue to get better long into an age when people are telling you that you're going to start declining. And I've always kind of thought like that was a really cool thing to be excited about, about getting older. That's um, really cool. I've never heard that. That's neat. Yeah. I, and now I'm like, am I incorrect? Because no, I haven't heard that in a while, but I remember like um, having several professionals sing and, and even my uh, friend of mine who was on Broadway in like the seventies and eighties talking about like her full voice and like getting into that when she was in her forties. So I thought that was really cool. But I also think that I have noticed my own attention improving even in the past few years and I've and I've kind of sometimes thought to myself like shouldn't I be getting like dumber at some point or like <laughs> when I, I everybody's like don't you peak at like 30 in every way and then you just fall apart and it's like no actually there's like potentially decades of yeah of great brain power and yeah. vocal power ahead of you well I think you get better like uh, at, at deciding what's important mm. um great you know girl. like yeah I have a worry in the back of my head, but it's not relevant to this. So turning it off. Mm. Girl, I'm glad you're good at that. Because I still have this. <laughs> Some of my worries just stay right up at the front. Look, th we're in podcasting world right now. Turn those worries off. <laughs> well, they're just, I did. Okay, good. Switched off. All right. So like, uh, just like getting back to Willem here and his attention span, even an eight hour task, which this costume is far more than eight hours. So much more work in, is involved in this. Like even an eight hour task, if you had to divide it into 20 minute or 30 minute chunks to accommodate the attention span of a 12 year old, it wouldn't exactly double it, but it would get right up there. It's definitely too long. Yeah. I mean, you know, at eight hours, if you break it up and add in breaks, you might end up with like 10 hours of work. It's definitely too long for a kid. And I even looked up like the SAG after guidelines for like how long can an, a child actor work? Yeah. And on a school day, it's five hours. That's wow. it. And they are required yeah. to have one hour of school. And on a non-school day, they can work an extra two hours. But like, yeah, it's just five hours. That's that's for an, a child actor aged nine to fifteen. Wow. Yeah. Um. Oh. Okay. So this this costume. The Ant Boy costume, which is the most expensive costume. Um, how'd they put it again? The most expensive costume Danish ever history. in Danish film history. It's pretty crazy. So then I was like, all right, all right, I see you. I see you, Denmark. 
what's the most expensive costume ever made in Hollywood history? Ooh. And I found out. Um, actually, when I Googled this, a lot of things came up like the most expensive costume when it was sold to auction later. So it'd be like Marilyn Monroe's Seven Year Itch costume. Yeah. Or like the Breakfast at Tiffany's costume that Audrey Hepburn wore, mm. things like that. But I was mm-hmm. like, no, I want to know what was the most expensive when it was made. Yeah. And the most expensive costume ever made in Hollywood history was made in 1944 for a movie called Lady in the Dark. It was made mm. to be worn by Ginger Rogers. It's a mink overskirt which is fully jeweled on the inside and is put it's set on a jeweled bodice with the little dance shorts and it was so heavy that they had to make a second one where instead of jewels they did sequins and beading uh, because she couldn't really move in it it was so heavy in 1944 it cost $35,000 and I ran it through the uh, inflation calculator, of course, because they love doing that. And it's yeah. that that comes out to $610,000 now, which is actually not as much as I expected. I thought it would be yeah. like, at least in the million department. But yeah, it was $35,000 for that costume in 1944. They have did a- it make it into the movie, even though it was so heavy? Like, could she? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So okay. for the, the beautiful, heavy, fully jeweled one was used for singing and for close-ups okay. and maybe for static long shots where she's just standing. And then any dancing scene, she wore the other one that was lighter. Wow. So, but it would have still been mink. Like, it's still a mink overskirt, and it's, like, full length. Just Jeez. split in the middle so you can see her beautiful legs. Lady in the Dark is what it's called? Yeah, it's called Lady in the Dark. So, there's a, I saw a quote from Edith Head. Do you know, does that ring a bell for you? Yes. Is she, okay. um, I know who Edith Head is. Yeah. Who is she? <laughs> Extremely famous costume designer. Costume designer. From, like, yeah. early 20th century Hollywood. Yeah. Through the 50s, through the 60s. Um, she worked in a studio system where she got credit for um, everything. <laughs> so, like, I really love that I found one article that pointed out that she was one of the designers of this costume. Yeah. Which, because pr- previously I looked in the history of that, but right. that could mean someone else designed it entirely and she stuck her name on it. So that was, like, what she was known for? I mean, she was a, a solid designer. Right. But also the way the studio system worked. If a design was made in her shop, it was her design. Got it. Okay. You know what I mean? So they, they got a quote from her that says um, that this dress couldn't be made today without a limitless budget. Uh, to which I say, how did they get that quote? She's dead. <laughs> Why is she chiming in on whether we can make that costume nowadays? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Pipe down, Edith. Edith, you had your moment. <laughs> you had a lot of moments. You know, and, you and one long moment i don't mean to dump on edith a lot of great work but also she was not the only person who ever made a costume in hollywood up until the 80s right and also like guys no one's an island yeah everybody's got a whole team of people doing stuff but yeah for real oh i also want to throw in about um when i was talking about the whether or not that helmet was fiberglass uh when i worked at the legendary Bill Hargett costumes in Hollywood, which because costume shops don't get credits in films, most mostly this might not mean a lot to most of the listeners, but um, Bill Hargett costumes is truly legendary. Mm. So I worked there and right before I started working, uh, they made sculpted armor for, <laughs> so they had to do a body cast of her just, it was without the head, but it was enti- her entire body. And then after the film, you know, because she was a regularly working actress, the costume shop kept the fiberglass mold of her body. 
And Whoa. so, like, I went in the boiler room one day because there was a boiler room for all the various, like, uh, the irons. And in the boiler room, there was headless body. <laughs> you know, I kind of, I think I kind of came out and was like, so who's in there? And they were like, oh, it's. And then um, I actually did, while I was working there, occasionally pull out uh, the fiberglass model and, like, try dresses on it. Like, if we were working on a rom-com or something, I, you know, might as well just check fit on her actual body. (laughs) That's amazing. See, Liza, I love your costume shop stories. That reminds me of um, the time you had to hustle and make cufflinks for someone. And you were like, "Who? What asshole needs these cufflinks made right away?" And then it turned out that asshole was Ben Affleck. I don't remember that. Oh my gosh, I'm glad you remember that because I don't. <laughs> it was something like I don't know if it was cuff. Would you have made cufflinks? No, it was something in the tux department. Maybe cuffs that you like had to do right away. Maybe like break away like separate cuffs from a shirt or something. And but you were like, "What jerk needs this done right now?" And and why am I having also for this? And then it was like, "Oh, it's for Ben Affleck." Yeah, like, all right, all right. <laughs> Only preceded by when Matthew McConaughey gave you the shirt off his back to make. Oh a my pattern. gosh! Yeah, can I, I mean can I tell that story? Please. Tell I was just thinking story. about the other day because when we were talking about him in um the last episode, so uh, Bill Hargit Costumes had a it's moved to a different location now, which is why I keep saying it in past tense. But it had um the workroom was upstairs with a really open balcony that looked down onto the lobby and lower floor. And there were some tables down there where you could meet with people and it was just like comfortable and casual. So uh, I was up at my table and down at one of those tables was the the head of the costume shop, who was Mary Ellen Fields, also legendary, a costume designer, a costume design assistant, and Matthew McConaughey. And they were just talking about like, here's where we're going with a look for your costumes for this movie. And um, (laughs) like I knew they were down there, but I was I was working on stuff. I would peek down occasionally. But, yeah, um, girl. Yes, you would. <laughs> but at one point, Mary Ellen called up Liza. Oh, my God. And so I looked down over the balcony directly into the eyes of Matthew McConaughey. Girl, did your heart stop? Who smiled at me. And when I woke up from a dead faint, <laughs> somebody was running the shirt off his body that he had just unbuttoned and taken off to me so that I could take a pattern off it real quick. Still warm. The heat, (laughs) the heat from his body. Now he wasn't sitting there shirtless, though. He had a t-shirt on. No, he had a t-shirt on under it. It is a story I have pictured for the past twenty-five years. Just sitting there, like just trying to come, (laughs) trying to come up with the reason to take his shirt off. Like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, they just ran it up to me. I took a quick pattern off it. Uh, I, you know, called up the assistant. She came and ran it right back down to him. He put it back on. Was it one of those things where it's like a task that you know how to do, but because of the circumstances, did you have a moment of like, wait, can I do this? (laughs) Like I forgot how to hold a tracing wheel. Yeah, Is my brain just going to fall out of my head right now? Um, I did have a brief moment of like, can I do this fast enough? Because they're just sitting Uh, there having a quick meeting. Totally. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, I have to do this right now. Yeah. Well, that's good. Did you sniff it? No. I'm not gross. <laughs> well, I mean, not the armpits, but like maybe just like the <laughs> collar or something. Just to be like, what kind of collar? I don't know. Like if you could speculate on like you know, what his I vibe did, is. I did not hold it up to my face and inhale. Um, you didn't wrap it. You didn't drop it on your head. Go. And then. <laughs> <laughs> 
I did not do that. Mm, Uh, But you know, um, two different styles. What I remember that was nice about it is it wasn't like wafting cologne on me. That's good. It did not smell strongly. Oh, he seems like a man that's totally consent with just his natural clean. scent yeah just a clean man yeah 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 oh and i i should throw this in about the um the the kid getting the life cast of his face which i'm still freaked out about i asked tall guy could they have 3d scanned his face and 3d printed it and he was like no in 2013 it would have been too expensive to do that mm-hmm could they do it now they could do it now to avoid that whole process well that's okay but in 2013 like that kid got a life like i just cannot wrap my head around a child getting maybe it wasn't that bad maybe it was awesome i don't know it just seems like the worst combination of getting dental work and having a facial oh yeah and also just getting suffocated (laughs) like what if you have to sneeze yeah Yeah. what if you wanted to talk what if you got scared what if you got hungry i mean it just seems like you just get super traumatized and then you'd have to cast a new actor yeah and do it all over again that's a bummer <laughs> all right so that's could they sew it let's just move right on to would they sew it because i feel like we've had a lot of tangents and we should get back on track <laughs> yes let's put the cape back on the go ahead oh i have an idea about capes okay mm-hmm. so you know how in that description it said the back is a stretchy fabric mm-hmm. i think that okay this might not be true but i think that that's why we have capes in superhero movies because it covers up the back. So you can have the back be made of whatever you want. You can have also, the back have vents. It can be stretchy. Love you can it. have a big old honked zipper that you don't want to see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also because the up. front is so like climactic, you you kind of need something like spread in the back. Like if you just look at the back. To flow in like, the wind. Yeah. Yeah. It gives a nice um, button to the whole experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the question is, would... Would Willem make this costume? Oh, like, is it realistic story-wise? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really cute at the end when he says, I want to make a second costume. And he says, what, man? Mine's I like my costume. Like, it's the most expensive costume in all of Danish costume history. And Willem's <laughs> like, and then he says, and besides, like, Ida doesn't need no costume. And he's like, no, I'm your BFF. I want to make a second yeah. costume and for he's myself. Yeah, like, I'm just messing with you. He's yeah, like, that was, oh, I know. It's it was so cute. cute. Yeah. I was like, oh, these guys are cute. And I also love a good example of, like, just sweet uh, boy friendship. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, this like, movie is, like, so sweet nice boy friendships and a boy sewing, which is nice. A boy sewing, a boy being nice to another boy, and a boy rescuing a girl and then not trying to get some. And that's... Yeah. That was a really nice have, moment. The girl he, he, he's been in love with the whole movie goes to kiss him and he just kind of backs off. Yeah, he backs off and says, um, I'm actually here to see your sister. And then yeah. his, her sister comes out, the one that helped him, and he thanks her. Yeah. He says, thank you. And, and then, then they don't like, mac yeah. on each other. And then they don't mac on each they other. They ride their bikes and then they're obviously a crime fighting team now. Like, it's great. They, yeah. And now he has friends and he has a team and he's all set up for Ant Boy 2, Ant Boy 3 and beyond all right megan it's time for our lightning round could would and should but before we do that uh, i'm going to tell you some truly horrifying facts about ants mm. you ready you ready to get- i'm good <laughs> you get real scared <laughs> megan i don't know if you know this but fire ants don't drown when it floods they uh kind of float up to the surface of the water and form a big ball or a ribbon or a raft and they can float along for 
weeks <laughs> until you find something to climb up on. So oh my god. I just want you to know that if you're in a flood and you see a raft, you just make sure it's not ants, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, so that means if you put an ant down the garbage disposal, you need to turn it on. <laughs> Is this what you're going to do after we sign off? <laughs> well, if I encounter a fire ant, it's going down the disposal. Yeah, we're just talking about fire ants, and all red ants are not fire ants. So, like, if you yeah. see a red ant, don't freak out. Wait for it to bite you, and then put it down no, the no. disposal, and then turn it on. Mm, I like that. We'll see if that works. Yeah. Now that you're uh, worried about ants, let's get back to our lightning round. <laughs> all right, just yell out your answer. Could Willem sew this costume? No. No. Absolutely not. Would he? Yes. Yes. Should he? Yes. Yes. All right, that's all that. Listener, if you've got ants or friends, why not share this episode with your friends? <laughs> yeah, what a delightful costume turn uh, this movie provided in terms of uh, history and um, just how it's done. Okay, so now I'm going to read a review. Finally, exclamation point. I keep trying to find a sewing podcast I actually want to listen to. This is it. Very funny. About sewing and costumes, but also everything else. Love it. Yay. I like that everything else got in there, too. And that is the ultimate review, in my mind, because truly it is about sewing on a macro level. But on a micro level, it's about so many other things that we never know what they're going to be until we get here. (laughs) Who knew that Matthew McConaughey pattern fittings were... Well, that is also about sewing, so never mind, but... But um, you're right. Who knew how many what things? was going to get pulled into this discussion of this very sweet Danish mm-hmm. kids film about a superhero? Yes. And who knew this film would be such a perfect fit for this podcast? Well, clearly Shelly knew because she recommended it. Yeah. Although um, I had a moment of panic where when he started to order stuff online, I was like, oh, no, is he not going to sew anything? Mm, <laughs> nope. And it was like, oh, no, Lightning McStitch has led us in the wrong direction entirely. But then <laughs> it was fine. Everything was fine. All right, uh, Megan, will you please say hi to our listener in Manchin Gladbach? Manchin Gladbach. I would just like to say hi to our listener in Manchin Gladbach. <laughs> Manchin Gladbach. I would like to say hi to our listener in Manchin Gladbach. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> this is why I chose this one because it's just so much fun to say. Wait, say it one more time. Is it God uh- or Glod? Glod. Glod. Manchin. Glod. Bach. Nice. So this is a city in Germany. Your town name is fun to say. Mm-hmm. We're not making fun. We're just enjoying ourselves. We're just having fun. We enjoy you. And I'm going to say hi to our listener in Utrecht, which is Utrecht. in the Netherlands. And What's up? strangely easier to say. <laughs> um, okay, nope. well, that's it. That's all we got. We can say all bye. All right. You can go um, sing. <laughs> yep. Hometown girl is back. She's ready to hit the streets. She's and... she's ready to explore her full voice as we go into the future. She's going to be getting yeah. there more and more. I'm excited. <laughs> All right, Liza. I'm going to sign off now. All right. Bye, Megan. Bye, Liza. Thank you for listening to There's No Thread. Keep it threaded. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Probably. But maybe not. Neither of us know the answer to that question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> God.